0: Welcome back to the TTG Podcast. Today, we have Heather McGrail from McGrail Vineyards. This one's going to be really fun, you
1: guys. Stay tuned. Check it out. Okay. Welcome back, folks. Here we are. TTG, another episode of Through the Grapevine Podcast. As always, thank you to all you listeners. Uh, We've actually been able to start some conversations with some people here in the Valley. Um, There's some vision starting to take shape. Um, awesome guests have been on. We had a great conversation with Nikki Wente recently. Um, some other tours. None more exciting than who we have on today. Uh, very special guest. Uh, one of the first real contacts I had in the wine industry. Um, the one and only. Oh, Heather Magrath. Oh, Hey.
2: T T G Assemble.
1: So Heather, you've you've had a chance to listen to a couple of our episodes. Um, oh, I'm remiss in introducing my co-hosts, Mr. Jeremy troop Massey. Hello, everyone. And Mr. Jason Montero. Hello, hello. Um, so, Heather, we've had a chance, you've had a chance to listen to some of the episodes. So what we kind of try to like to do is just give you an opportunity to tell your story. So I know you grew up here in the Livermore Valley, uh, maybe, you know, growing up here and then getting in the wine industry and how you kind of got, got your, you cut your teeth in the wine industry.
3: Okay, so I, I did, born and raised here in Livermore. I was one of those kids that grew up here and said I would never come back to Livermore. So I went away to college. Actually, let me back up. While I was in high school, my parents moved us out to Greenville Road where they had planted a vineyard and I'll get into that story in a minute. I thought they were the worst parents ever, wow. moving you out of town, away from your high school, all of that fun stuff. Um, I went away to college Then I moved down to Arizona and then Southern California. And when I came back, I realized why they moved us to Greenville Road, to the most amazing place in the Livermore Valley. Wow! Um, But I had no plans to get in the wine industry. I kind of fell into it. Um, When I was graduating from St. Mary's, I took a job with Gallo. Completely by chance. They were doing a management training program. I figured I would give it a try. They kind of wined and dined you and i went to work in the supermarkets it was not my thing so
1: you were pounding the pavement at the chains
3: exactly wow 4 a.m you know
1: setting up those displays yeah exactly
3: been there in heels throwing loads so So i left gallo after a very short like five and a half months and i was embarrassed to quit my first job (laughs) so i moved down to scottsdale on a weekend vacation And my dad lost it. He could not imagine that his middle child was going to go move to another state. Did not like it. I went down there. I worked for a magazine called Food and Life. Okay. And that's actually where my love of wine started. So although I was working at Gallo and I was raised drinking, not raised, but, you know, once I got into college, I would drink wine, but Mm -hmm. along with, you know, box wine or whatever wine was on sale or whatever wine I could take out of my parents' wine fridge. Oh, yeah. Um, which that was usually the good stuff, but everything else was terrible. Uh, But when I was down in Scottsdale working for that magazine, we called on independent restaurants. And so their wine lists were really important. And it was over lots of really nice glasses of wine and bottles of wine that I found out that I really enjoyed wine. And so from there, I moved to Southern California for a little bit. And while I was in Southern California, uh, my parents, who at the time had been married like 40 years, called me my actually my dad called me and said uh you're moving home I'm like what he's (laughs) like yeah you need to move home you know mom and I we planted the vineyard we were selling all of our grapes to other wineries and now we're gonna open a winery and and you're coming home and so (laughs) as I'm talking to him trying to understand what he's telling me my mom rings in on the other line and I was like hold on mom's on the line no no no, don't answer it like well mom's on the (laughs) other line hold (laughs) on dad I think they're sitting on the couch together while they're doing this to me, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and so my mom says, honey, you don't have to move home, but we are going to open a winery, build a winery, and we think it would be great if you wanted to move home and try it. And then as I'm talking to her, my dad has since hung up the phone and recalled. And now I'm like, dad's on the other line. Okay, well, you can take the call because she was she's always been the much nicer one. <laughs> and so then... Uh, my dad, no, no, no. How soon do you have to give two weeks at your job? When can you be here? <laughs> so it was about a month later.
2: Sounds like you were in a pickle. Yeah, <laughs>
3: exactly. Um, I I was happy to do it, but I was semi-coaxed. Uh, coaxed, coax, coax, I can't speak. Um, told that I was coming home. So sure. I moved home in September of 2007. And we had an old barn on the property. It was just like a metal kind of metal old barn. Type. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we tore that down and by the time I moved home there were like wood pieces and a bunch of dirt and that was it and so I helped finish the construction part of that Mm -hmm. Um, and then we opened in technically our grand opening was April of 2008 but the beginning of 2008 we kind of soft opened the doors if anyone showed up okay cool so that's how i how I got there
1: <laughs> I'm surprised that you had to be coaxed because you're so like right now so passionate and you know work so hard at at building your brand and and doing some things so i'm I'm kind of taken back that it took some coaxing.
3: Well, <laughs> I do absolutely love it now, and I love wine. I think it was the idea of coming back to my hometown yeah um and this was in two thousand eight, which I feel like was the start of Livermore being revitalized and having, you know, the downtown just sure. got finished not much before that. Mm-hmm. You know, when I left, it was First Street, all yeah, I can think bar. of. Yeah, the that's blue bar. That's right? what I remember. Boy, the, <laughs> the blue bar. bar. Yeah.
1: I yeah, remember yeah. going in there with fake ID back in the day. Like, right? I thought it was like the coolest place. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, Times with a fake changed. ID, it is cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure.
3: Um, yeah, so I – I really didn't think I'd end up back in Livermore and now I'm raising my family here and I love it.
1: Very very cool. It's uh that's actually crazy. I I didn't know all, all those details about, you know, how you got started so. Um yeah, I mentioned that you were kind of my first real contact in the wine industry. Um uh, my my dad and his partner Bill Taggart and they had Brad Morrison the winemaker. Uh, the McGrails, uh for those of the for those of you listening, were kind enough to let uh, let us do some bottling when they were bringing in mobile bottling trucks early on to get some things done. So we had a you know my first kind of experience at all was like putting together this bottling and then working with the McGrails to get this thing done. And uh, you know Heather was just like clearly sharp, driven, and that was kind of what got us excited about Livermore Valley. And then we were like, okay, these people got it going on. The wines are good. Um and then we kind of started exploring. You introduced me to Julio. Um it's uh yeah, it's really been pretty cool to to be part of the, the whole thing too.
3: It is. It's fun because I think you're, the day that you guys did your bottling truck was maybe our second bottling ourselves. Was it really? So I'm glad I, I seemed sharp because I had no idea what I was doing at that oh,
1: point. Like,
3: all right, there's one person here that knows less than me, I think. So I was, let's try. Oh, I
1: remember just like you like were like schooling me up. I'm like, man, we're out of compliance. on like, 10 things today. This is all bad. Like, <laughs> this wine's not filtered. What the hell's going on? Like, I do um, remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That was on it. Like, I had no idea what was going on. was Brad's show I was just like he I remember he sent me to like Napa Clarksburg and then Sonoma in the same day like in that order to pick up bulk wine the day before the bottling (laughs) look
3: how far you've come (laughs) I know.
1: my god Um, that's really cool so you, you mentioned oh go ahead Jason you weren't necessarily my first
0: contact but when my fiance and I moved here McGrail was the first wine club we joined Oh, awesome. I'm Thank not even joking. You. We went, we poked around. We had just moved and we were looking for like the best winery, but best view as well. Yep. And so we were poking around. We're like, hey, we just, we, I forgot who we asked, but they're like, definitely go check out McGrail. So we, you know, we hopped in the car. We're like, sure. So we went up and we walked in. Everyone was super, super nice. Um, we signed up that day, by the way, too. Wow. So we drove there and we just had a great time. We got poured wine. And we went outside and just saw the beautiful valley because, you know, you guys are up on that hill so you can see everything. I mean, like, the weather was perfect. It was just prime to pretty much get sold on Livermore and you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything, the wine was fantastic. And then there's that, like, back room. And, and then I was like, oh, okay, let's just go in there. And they're like, oh, well, you can't really go back there. And I was like, well, how do we get back there? And, like, that's members. And Brianna was like, we should we should sign up. We should like, you know, <laughs> it, worked. It, worked. it totally worked right <laughs> out. And then, so we signed up and um what sold us actually was the 2012 Reserve Cabernet Sauvignon. One of my favorites um, still. It's probably still, yeah, that's, amazing amazing i remember thinking like oh cool if this is what livermore has to offer like this we're, we're in a good spot but it was really neat i mean you're you're definitely the the first winery that we we committed to that is so cool thanks yeah. i yeah. had no
3: idea i'd love hearing those stories well, <laughs> yeah.
0: let's spend a little time while we kind of
2: transition into McGrail, telling us about who who what, you know who is McGrail is the brand you know the wines you're making over there um you know and, and diving into that
3: okay so um McGrail vineyards we i would say our brand is really started, it's the idea of my, my late father. He basically did some real estate investments, bought a piece of property based off real estate investments. Phil Winty kept telling him, you need to plant that vineyard, that property. That would be great land for a vineyard. And my dad was a police officer. Then he worked for the DA's office. Then he opened his own private practice as an attorney. He was a very driven man, but had no wine experience besides drinking it. <laughs> and so... He kept telling Phil, no way, no way, no way. And then he always used to tell the story that uh, they were out at the Winty's cabin out in Tahoe, sitting on the lake, and Phil, you know, poured a glass of wine and told my dad, kept talking to him about planting the vineyard. And he's like, you know, after the first bottle of wine, I told Phil he was crazy. You know, after the second bottle of wine, I started asking how much it was going to cost me. And then, by the third bottle of the wine, I wanted to know what I had to do to get started and so that's <laughs> really what put our winery in into business or not our winery our vineyard and so when we planted, we were selling all of our fruit to Stephen Kent and from day one of planting, my dad's biggest thing was quality he He wanted to make sure that we could grow the best Cabernet that could be grown in the Livermore Valley in California in the world um it, you know obviously everyone is cost conscious and doesn't want to just blow money but he would rather you know with his last name on it he wanted to make sure it was a great product to offer and so when we did open the winery that philosophy just carried through it was you know if if we're not going to be proud to have our name on it if we're not going to want to drink it at home with our family and friends or bring it to a friend's house we're not going to release it and so we opened the winery with one wine um, that had its own <laughs> troubles, but my dad's big thing was let's make one thing right before we start making a bunch of other stuff. We had no wine experience. Wow. Fortunately, wow. I've Smart. heard you guys talk yeah. about you know all the mentors in Livermore Valley, and literally we would not be where we are without the mentors. I mean, this valley is amazing for that. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: So, can
2: you name um, a few that uh, helped helped you guys along the way?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, the most important would be Mark Claren, who is our current winemaker. But at the time, consulted with us. So Del Van Bowen used to own Crooked Vine back in the day. And she um, introduced Mark to my, actually to my mom at first, and then through that to both of my parents. And he consulted with us in the beginning, kind of taught me what I needed to do to not mess up the wine with <laughs> what he told me. Um, and then a few others. I mean, the Winty family is huge and then Claude Boba, who I know has been brought up on here, he Mm -hmm. was a huge mentor. When we first started (laughs) and we were custom crushing over at Winty, he would sit and take all of my questions, which were probably ridiculous, having no experience, (laughs) um, and would sit and taste through wine and talk to me about each one. Um, And then Charles R. was just down the street from me and they had a really small lab back in the day, or a guy doing lab work, I should say. Mm -hmm. So when we first brought the wine home, I would hop down there, and Randy, um, Dick, and Bonnie's son would taste through, talk me through it, help me mm. run the lab works, and then, um, and then I'd call Mark and say, "Here's what I got. Now, what do I do?" Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure I'm forgetting people. There's been so many people yeah. in the valley. I mean, Stephen Marisu, he bought our fruit at first, and he what put us into the winery side of business versus the vineyard was 2005's harvest, that was a big, you know, bumper crop for all of California. So we had an extra 32 tons that was either going to get dropped on the floor Mm. or my parents were going to figure out something to do with it. Mm -hmm. This time I was still away at school and my dad came to mom and said, no, we've got to try to do something. So when they did that, Stephen Marisu kept telling my dad, you, you know, you have a great vineyard. You've got an amazing product. Like you don't want to just go bulk wine that out you mm-hmm. guys should make something there's something really special here so there's been so mm. many mentors and so many supporters um
1: that's throughout huge the years yeah wow. a lot of the same names that you know I, I, I was probably like two years behind you going to wente um and getting that same kind of treatment with claude and the lab people there and yeah. actually uh 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 gosh randy bartlett was the one who randy. taught me uh, uh barrel fermented chardonnay like he kind of gave me his regimen so it's pretty crazy. It is crazy, and I yeah. forgot to
3: mention Julio. I know you guys had a little Julio. Oh on yeah, I mean, man. Everybody loves Julio. Julio, uh, we call him the Vine Whisperer at our place. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. <laughs> he's so amazing. He is so, amazing. He will answer any question. He is just—I mean—any vineyard question I had, he was the first phone call, first person I would call.
1: Yeah, he's he a—he's a, a very special person. I'm writing that he down. Is. I'm happy you got to the brand and the philosophy of your quality, kind of as the as the paramount piece to everything. Um, one thing we kind of uh one, one I want to give you some recognition. You're like a hospitality guru. You guys have all the yeah. events going mm-hmm. on like you guys have it going on. Uh beautiful view as mentioned. Yeah. But at the core of it all it's like really about, you know, the wine in the bottle and I'm happy that you kind of got there first before talking about all the ways we sell the wine. Like mm-hmm. it's about growing it and making it the best we can. So
3: Exactly. That's I mean, there's a million great wines in the world, right? I mean, mm-hmm. If you don't have good wine, you probably shouldn't be in this business. Yeah. Um, but keeping quality at mind, and the, let me back up really quick. The amount of improvement we've had with quality in the Livermore Valley from the day that we started to here we are in 2019 mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. I feel like in the beginning, you know, we were pooling it, trying to find wineries we would recommend. And now when mm-hmm. I have friends come to town, mm-hmm. I have more than one day's worth of places to send them that I'm yeah. really proud to share. So quality is, I mean, the number one piece. And then once you get here, obviously, you you need to have good people and oh, for the sure.
1: rest of it.
2: Well, can you um, you, we were you we were getting we were you were getting there um in Sorry. terms of no 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 in building a building a you know more than just a one day experience. Um, can it kind of transitions into you do more for the valley than just work over at McGrail? Kind of wonder can you can you speak to what other what other obligations and responsibilities you've taken up here in the Valley for progressing what we call, or we're trying to build our wine culture here and stuff?
3: Yeah, um, I've been on the Livermore Valley Wine Growers Association board for several years, and kind of my, my baby on that board is Taste Our Terroir. And so Taste Our Terroir is a four-day food and wine affair in late July. Uh, it used to be a one night, Thursday night, food and wine pairing competition, which was amazing. Sold out every year. It was held at Casa Real, or maybe back in the day it was held at Palm Event Center, but now Casa yeah. Real. Uh-huh. Um, a great event. And it was such a successful event, and it really called on the right people that were buying at least my specific wine. Uh-huh. People, those That foodie crowd, the people that wanted to go out and enjoy special experiences, really enjoyed fine wine. And so, my goal was to go, "How do we take this one night on a Thursday night that you can get the local crowd, and how can we get people to come in from out of town and visit us uh-huh. and um, you know and and stay and try all the different great things we have to offer so that's how it went from Thursday through a Thursday through Sunday event. Uh-huh. uh The idea Thursday night is tried and true eighteen different eighteen to twenty different wineries and restaurants get together, pair a small bite food item with a taste of wine. We have three professional judges that come in and give different awards. And then we have the People's Choice Award, which is always, you know, everyone's favorite. And then on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every year there's different events. So this year, I believe there's a paella party at Darcy Kent. Mm -hmm. We're doing a... Uh, sweepstakes award-winning winery wine tasting thing it's at three steves so las Positas just won the sweepstakes award with the san francisco chronicle Mm -hmm. we won it in 2012 and three steves won it in 2013 so the three of us are doing a winemaker tasting thing And then, (laughs) save the best for the last, (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy's going to be our Secrets of a psalm instructor out at McGrail. I'm so excited to have you. It's going to be the best event ever.
1: Awesome. Taste our terroir is a great event. You guys really do an awesome job with that, for sure. I think that's the Valley's highlight, for sure, as far as a Valley-wide event at this point. Thank you. Um, I mean, and it still
3: has room to grow. I mean, Mm -hmm. I just want it to get better and better. Mm -hmm. And... Get people that you know those cheap Southwest flights, like fifty nine dollars to get into Oakland. Yeah, and then come out and see what the Livermore Valley has to offer. Mm-hmm. So that's my goal with it.
1: Very cool. I all like right. how you did that. Very. Hey, cool. I was, I was <laughs> it. I was, that was smooth, Jeremy. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm I
2: selfish plug every once in a while, and I, that's an event I'm looking forward to as well. Um, definitely nervous. I got an hour. They're gonna people are gonna listen to me for an hour and a half. Whew. But uh, they got anything. wine, so just... But I mean, there'll be wine. It's, it's we're okay. Gonna, yeah, it's we're gonna, okay. We're going to make it fun, maybe take a walk through the vineyards. Um, mm. But you can find out more about that on lvwine.org, the Taste our Terroir section. Uh, but back to it. Um, so I'm sure you've... I mean, is this episode 13, 14?
1: I don't, we don't even say that. We, no, we, don't, we, we just, don't even do that anymore. Yeah, we made a mistake like hashtag. every episode yep. saying it. So. Uh,
2: but we're well into it now. Um, like Colin alluded to in the beginning, um, I think there's definitely been some conversations that have been started, um, which is what we you know that the, the most we could hope for just to provoke a little bit of just dialogue even at the you know in the in the in the slightest um but we had Nikki Wenty on a couple of weeks ago and we started talking about you know the blend or the varietal or what is that you know that 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 message what message are we sending you know via a bottle of wine um and just curious to like you know your thoughts on that that topic that we've kind of been talking about for the past few weeks a little harder
3: so funny i was listening to hers and I'm like, oh, God, I hope they don't ask me that question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, It's the most important question. <laughs> I know. And, it, you know, if I had the answer, then we wouldn't be sitting here, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Well, that is um, very true. <laughs> the I'm a cab house. Cab is number one for me. So I love that you guys are talking about cab blends. We did do Petite Syrah for two to three years. I know you guys talk about that basically Bordeaux blend, sub something or add Petite Syrah or sub something to put Petite Syrah in there. Um I'm not completely opposed to it, but Petite Syrah didn't work for us. And um, not to say I wouldn't try it again. It just, it was this, every wine we make, like, we sell out way earlier than the year that I want it to stay in the tasting room. And our issue for the last 11 years open is not having enough wine. It's not the reverse. Mm -hmm. And Petite Syrah was like the one wine that could sit on my menu for 18 months, maybe two years. Mm -hmm. I mean, and we still sold it. But um, it just wasn't our, it, it wasn't what the consumers were coming and asking for. Now, I also understand if we don't make, you know, how do you make something great? What's that tipping point? You can't just expect to grab the best thing and, and run with that because everyone else is doing that. So I like the unique factor, but, um, but I don't know if Petit Serra's answer. I think, did you say that it was uh, Merlot Cab Franc? Wait, who said that? Someone These guys
0: said. are pushing right. I, I love right <laughs> bank. I definitely love right bank, but yeah. you have been pushing but, you, know, some bank. You, you also have to kind of just w- what the land grows best as well. So mm-hmm. there is That's what awesome. the land
1: grows best. And um, to Heather's point, like Petite Syrah is in the market just kinda like a like a fart in church, mm-hmm. right? It's just really it's tough it's not a it's not a living thing and, i hold it in um, so I, I yeah uh, it i took that yeah. from someone this yeah. week actually <laughs> so um yeah um, i felt like i had to say it um, because it made a lot of sense um and like the you know five varieties plus petit syrah even if you sub one out it's a mouthful like mm. how are you gonna say yeah, yeah we're the bordeaux house with petite syrah like that's you know like that's too much, mm-hmm.
3: well, and then again, like are we trying to be someone else? We're the Bordeaux house, like we're the yeah, I just wish there was something else we could do i, think I the I'm a believer in the Cabernet
1: the cab personally yeah. like mm-hmm. i I honestly, just climatically what the soils we have, I mean, the wines you guys are putting out, like they say the proof is in the pudding, right, so the people that are taking cab seriously and like kind of focusing on cab. Um the wines are really good. I and mean, I think there's a diversity in style from Mark to me to Stephen, mm-hmm. Wente. Exactly. Um but all of a quality that in the in my opinion can hit the market and you know, be something if, if people gave a, a shit about Livermore Valley yeah. outside of these hills. Well to play right?
2: devil's advocate. Um, because I think there's uh, so many ways you can go with the conversation. So we're talking about, so when you say cab, you're saying hundred percent, you know, um, Riley correct. Vineyard designate potentially, um, cab leading the way cab leading the way.
3: Yeah. Okay. Okay. I have a question yes. or do you want to finish your, no, go first? ahead. Let's... So Paso Robles. Yeah. What would you say they're known for?
0: Uh, well, it's changed it's right, 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 yeah. yeah, it's
1: changed so they were Rome. It was wrong yeah. were, were yep. now
3: Dow came in and got has a bunch of money, and now they're known for cab too,
1: well, on top of that at the same time with Dow coming in, a lot of other guys like that was like Napa Valley kind of vacated that forty to sixty dollar cab price mm-hmm. point in the world and went to like ninety to three hundred. Um, and uh, yeah, moving on, Paso yeah, Robles through like twenty-two thousand acres of Cabernet sticks in the ground mm-hmm. and solved a market need. Yeah, right. Like that's it. It takes that kind of vision, and mm-hmm. so we're sitting here with twenty-four hundred acres. Trying that's to do, yeah, yeah.
3: I just think Paso is a good example of not being known for one varietal. Mm-hmm. and yeah. still has over 300 wineries, is successful, is known outside of California, and even better than that, outside of 10 miles from their radius. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so I don't know that we have to have a varietal.
0: Okay. But you seem to be um, very, you know, Team Cabernet, which is amazing. I Because am, you yes. have a passion for it. Um, but, okay, so I have a question for you. What style of Cabernet gets you excited? Like, what's what can people expect? Because you have um, people who try and go that Bordeaux style, a little more restraint, a little less fruit, a little more like earthiness. Uh, then you have like Washington where it's kind of like the really nice nose of new world, but then like the restraint of old world. And obviously you have Napa Valley, which is just big and gutsy and, um, kind of like showboaty. So when you guys set out to make the best Cabernet, what are you looking for?
3: That's a great question. Um, I would say it's definitely more Napa Valley style than Old World, uh, but within our cab program, we try to provide both. So we have our more earthy, a little bit more restraint, um, our Colton's cab, and that's when someone comes in and says, "Oh, I, you know, I love Bordeaux, I love Old World." Okay, great, try this one. Um, and someone just walks in and says they love cab. What we tend to show off is like bright fruit. We've got dark cherry i always love having a bit of chocolate in my cab i don't know mm. why but finding that like That's little good, bit of cocoa oh yeah, yeah especially no, with like sure. the cherry and cassis mm-hmm. um kind of a s'mores get that little bit of toasty marshmallow graham crackery uh, chocolate. That those are what I look for in a comfort our macaroon. McGre- yeah. yeah, comfort cab. Yeah. I like
1: that. Yeah, <laughs> taking notes uh, for our taste. Our terroir. are of yeah. yeah. firing off all those uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, tasting notes. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask: Do you do those photo shoots? Do you set those up?
3: No. So Lena mm-hmm. Carter. She, Lena
1: Carter is very talented. She
3: is amazing. Yeah, killing it. So she came in as our assistant tasting room manager. Actually, she came in as an intern from Sonoma State. Great.
1: Um,
3: wanted to keep moving on um, and. Went to assistant tasting room manager, which I guess technically is her title, but really she is, she has an eye for things. She does our barrel when we do the painted barrel trail for barrel tasting weekend. She does those really cool photo shoots, pulling all. So we sit down, Mark, uh, Jennifer Byram, our wine club manager, uh, Joy, our tasting room manager, Lena, myself, and whoever else is available that day, Chris, our assistant winemaker. And mm-hmm. taste through and we all just throw out different, you know, just like everyone I'm sure does. What do you taste? I, you know, sauv blanc. I get honeysuckle. I get lemon peel. I get this, that. And then we have a huge list for her. And then she goes to Trader Joe's. <laughs> and she comes she back the next day and makes job. an amazing photo. And then even better, we get to eat everything after. So
1: it's, <laughs> it's perfect. good. Yeah. Goodness. In general, you guys do great on the social media. The IG yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Uh, Thank yeah, you. Always, you know, timely with the, what's going on this week a little you know nice nice animations (laughs) um
3: she's got the eye (laughs)
1: that's awesome very very cool team building isn't i mean that's a huge part of what you got going on so um you mentioned lena um you also have uh, oh my gosh
3: what is it joy jen joy jen and lisa lisa lisa's amazing lisa
1: is amazing um and then you have mark so you've got like a really full full team there how many full-time people do you have at mcgreal right now we
3: really only have four full-time Four
1: full-time mm-hmm. is that including yourself yeah wow you guys so, are making it happen. <laughs>
3: actually i take it, we're at five now five so okay. i mean we're we're still a very small team but we have a few 20 hour a week people that are mm-hmm. really strong okay cool um and then and then we have our, our taste room staff that's amazing but it's very part-time
1: nice i
2: just found out that uh, mark claren and i are neighbors
3: Oh, really? Yeah, right you guys on. are
2: right in the same neighborhood. Yeah.
3: How do you like Deacon Dave?
1: <laughs> He's a little closer to Deacon He's Dave. A little Mark's closer. right next He's... door, I think.
3: Literally next yeah. door. Sorry yeah. I'm giving out your address, Mark.
1: Oh, yeah, Mark.
0: <laughs> I will be over later for, <laughs> say, for yeah, supper. It's all right.
2: Oh, he does live right now. Yeah, okay. All right. Sorry. All just came back real quick. Yeah, Deacon Dave. That's intense. That is intense. But. It's Mark. It's it's got its own Yelp page.
1: Yeah. T- <laughs> t- tell us a little bit about Mark and what he's done for your program since he came on. Um, I know you never give yourself enough credit. You kind of talked about how you know you were getting help from everybody, but you were actually doing the winemaking for a, right. a while to start, correct? And then I was, and then Mark came on with
3: the help of Mark and Claude. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I Mark basically sat down with me for two days and taught me this is how you top. This is what you need to go buy, This is how. You sample wines, send this to ETS, do this, do that. And then blending, I can't really tell you what to do except for start tasting a lot and see what you like. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I did that. And then when I got pregnant with my first daughter, Kylie, uh, pregnant winemakers... I mean, I give so many props to all the female winemakers out there because when I'm like six months pregnant and super awkward and (laughs) climbing up barrels, my mom said, you know, it's one thing if you fall and hurt yourself, but if you hurt my grandchild, like, I'm going to kill you too. (laughs) So um, at that point, my mom ran into Mark in the grocery store and said, I think it's time we get a winemaker. Um, Do you know anyone looking? And Mark had been working on the Picasso project, uh, which is the Merlot project I was briefly talking to Jeremy about we'll go I into sec. a little cool again <laughs> yes <laughs> and he said actually he's like you know your guys size. you don't need a full-time winemaker he's like you could get away with someone three days a week or so mm-hmm. and I could do that for you so they set up a time to sit down and talk with my mom and dad and Mark and we always laugh because as you said like we're a cab house we are known for cab when we opened we had one wine one cab
1: mm-hmm. and
3: Mark sits down in my parents living room and my mom says, so, Mark, what do you know about making Chardonnay? <laughs> Mind you, Mark made wine at Winty for 30 years. I, I think he knows how to make Chardonnay, yeah, Mom. Can make a chard. <laughs> yeah, uh, But my mom's a huge Chardonnay fan, and we've been making all this cab, and she's like, that's it. I don't want to be in the tasting room unless I have a Chardonnay I can drink. So he said, well, actually, I can make Chardonnay great. She's like, okay, you're hired. Like, let's, when, when can you start? It's a hell of an interview. So, yeah, right? Um, and Mark is, I mean, I don't have enough. say about him that is not just amazing he is one of the best human beings I know he's modest yet talented he's one of the hardest workers I always laugh because um, actually this weekend we had a release party We had to bring a tent in because it's raining in May, which did not make me happy.
1: Yeah. And mm -hmm.
3: the tent all of a sudden starts catching water. I mean, one of those big professional tents Mm -hmm. right at the entrance of the big roll-up door. So you walk from the barrel room into this big tent. It's the main walkway for the two spaces for the party. (laughs) And it's catching water. And it's starting to leak. And all I can see is like... A balloon drop, right? And all of a sudden, my like best customer walks down, and it's, they're going to have gotten a shower. Yeah. So I run to Mark. Mark, we have to figure something out. What's What are we going to do? So he grabs a big broom, you know, moves people out of the way, and starts like getting the water out. It does make a big splash, but at least no one's under it. And this lady goes, "Oh, that that's so nice. You have helped to do that." And I'm like, help to do well. That's our (gasps) winemaker. That guy makes your wine. I'm like, yeah. And he'll take out the trash and he fixes the (laughs) urinal. He does everything. Like he is the most phenomenal human being I know. Um, So I love Mark. Uh, And then on top of it, I think he makes the most amazing wine ever. Um, He always says he makes wine he likes to drink, but uh, fortunately, he likes to drink what a lot of people like to drink. Yeah, right. That helps. He's also big on the quality. So he started with Winty and got his roots there, worked from the bottom up there. Mm-hmm. And then he went to Bonnie Dune, where he got to go try a little bit of everything. I think he has such a cool oh, resume I mean, coming man. from like a traditional house to the most um, Wacky eclectic, <laughs> <around>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, a little bit of everything. And then from there, he went to Picasso. And so he was working with the Picasso family. They were vineyard growers in the cultoff Commons, or they still are, um, that grow primarily Merlot at the time. And their vision was to make the best Merlot in the Livermore Valley, and or in, I don't know, maybe in the world. Um And so they took their Merlot vineyard and they would drive it up to Napa, to the Caldwell Cave, and they would make the Merlot up there with mm. these wines that were like a 100 to 200, maybe $300 bottles of wine back in 2008.
1: Wow. Uh, yeah, the Caldwell Caves was like the cult house. It's, it's crazy. It's amazing, yeah. yeah.
3: And so he's driving back and forth, making the wine up there, Livermore fruit and then consulting with myself and probably with a few other people in the valley. Well, when we when my mom ran into him and asked him about coming to us full time, that project was kind of slowing down. They were producing an $80 bottle of Merlot. Merlot. Uh, the most beautiful packaging. I mean, the bottle it was really was cool. probably five pounds empty. Uh, <laughs> it was so beautiful. But Merlot, huh? yeah, it was really nice. Etched bottle. So, so it scored beautiful. well,
1: too. I got like a 93 or something Any like that. Any of those the bottles laying around came out. someone's yeah. cellar?
3: I have some.
1: Oh. <laughs> I think I have one or two. Do you I really? think there was two vintages only. And then there, no, was, like, there was like six. Was there six? So 2000.
3: Okay. Well, I have 2004 through 2008. Okay.
1: I have like eight, and I think I have eight and nine, I want to say. And then there's like a proprietary red, which was pretty good, too. Yes. I have one of those. Yes.
2: So when it happens for Livermore very soon, it will be based around cab. But can we all just agree (laughs) that if we can make Merlot cool again in the process, I'll die happy.
3: I'm all in. <laughs> <That's>,
1: <laughs> you, you,
0: you know, I'm on that team for that. That's so. all. That's all I
1: ask. Cab Franc does grow really well. Uh, are you guys growing mm. Cab Franc over on the new property? We are. Awesome. Um,
3: so just a very small amount. We have an acre planted right now, and we're cool. talking about grafting over um, another acre or two on the our west side of the property okay. um, closest to where Darcy Kent's line is okay cool um, so yeah we're excited about cap frog this harvest actually 2019 will be our first year of getting fruit from the new plantings so this is oh. going to be a huge year for us lots congratulations. of congratulations and can you kind of
2: speak to, like, exactly how much one acreage of, of fruit kind of equates to um, in, in numbers of cases for, you know, the average consumer to kind of wrap their head around what that might, you know,
1: what that's Depends like. on the grower. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so for us, we usually get, well, with, and it depends on the varietal. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to talk cab, not the cab fronk, because cab fronk is a little bit lighter. Mm-hmm. It's, an, it's a baby plant. But, like, our estate property, one acre, we get about... Two and a half to four tons, depending on the year. Okay. So let's just say three tons to the acre.
1: It's a healthy, healthy crop. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a nice place to be.
3: And it's um, a mature vine. It's mm-hmm. been growing well. It's you know, it's kind of in its prime. Um, at that point, what would you say? Like you're going to get 150 gallons. Now I'm going to do the math in my like head. Like 165 <laughs> gallons a
1: ton, 65 cases of red a, a ton. So, so 190, 195 cases on an acre or so. Okay. Yeah.
3: Not, so not a whole lot
1: yeah 200 cases an acre not that much all right now people numbers.
3: can do eight to ten oh, yeah tons an acre sure. so i mean this is like if you drive lot. around town you, <laughs>
1: around harvest you'll know who's hanging <laughs> and who's not um yeah you guys do a really good job i know that was one thing that when mark came on like the farming aspect was huge for him you made some wholesale changes to the to the growing program up there and it was all about like reducing yield and and getting things dialed in so that's uh, that's amazing. You got that kind of team, uh, you know, focused on quality, starts with ownership and trickling down. Right. Yeah.
3: It, yeah. I mean, Mark always says we're grape growers, number one. I was, I was admiring when Nikki Winty was saying the same thing, like we're grape yeah. growers. If you have a winery and not that I know that you guys purchase, but you're a grape <laughs> grower in the heart that like. You care about working with your farmer. You partner with them. Absolutely. And so having that partnership and not going out and just buying the bulk 8 to 10 tons an acre, um, that makes all the difference. The quality starts in the vineyard 100%. Mark always says, you know, you can get good grapes and make bad wine, but you can't get bad grapes and make good wine.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a a fool's errand. Yeah. Yeah. what uh? What do you see? You know, we, we talk a little bit about what you know you would like to see, but what would you like to see some from the some of the wineries here in town, like across the board? What can we do communally to to get the word out, take take you know you know distribution to the next level, which would lead to more acreage planted and a kind of a thriving wine community? What are some of the things you'd like to see to see that happen?
3: I think uh, there's a few things. I, I mean, I think partnering together, all of us working together. I think we do do pretty good job at that, but I think we could do better at that Mm. um i believe that in the last 10 years quality has definitely stepped up its game that needs to continue to happen Um, more and more people need to care about when they're picking their fruit uh, what they're putting in their bottle and then i i believe if quality rises and people kind of put their head down work hard people are going to come if you've got it if we have enough good products out here the more people that show up the more Awards that are won, you know, Mm -hmm. then more people are going to look into planting in the valley and opening wineries here. I mean, I think it's a slow, long process, but I would say focus is the, for us, focus is number one. I mean, there's so many things I want to try and do, and then Mark and I look at each other and we're like, does that fit McGrail Vineyards? Like, are we still focusing on cab, and are we still focusing on quality being the number one piece? and that's how we make almost all of our decisions is trying like are we staying on course of what our plan was. And I think that as long as the rest of the valley continues to do that and I I think we're in a good spot because when we started it was oh we do it in the garage I retired from the lab yeah. and like basically I want to make something I can drink so I don't have to go to the store and buy it. Mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. so went from that to now we have some players in the valley that this is their livelihood. I mean Colin, for you and for me we're younger um, yeah. and there's even more younger than us people coming into the valley that this is their career this is not a side hobby they're not you know trying to start a winery and work at the lab or work in tech yeah. you know it's um the more we can get people taking this as a serious career the better off for the valley
1: i agree that's what I'm talking yeah, about. yeah we that's, need go, go ahead. ahead
2: i mean that's uh, that industry professionals. That's you know that's the one thing that I've really been trying to drive home as well. Is you know just uh, it's a better market with a you know with, with that saturation of like-minded, focused people um who truly are like you know confident in saying like this is my career. I do this Um because as we all can attest to, it's a very enriching life. It's in a very enriching career. We you know sometimes work a little later and harder than than others, but that's the best part of it. You know so. And wherever, and no matter where, uh, I mean, if you're doing it the right way, wherever you know the party is, you're usually at working it anyway. So we don't miss much. So right, it's not you know, it's 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 a fun industry to be
3: in. One of my favorite things is two sides. One, Mark got asked by a customer, so what do you do like January through August? <laughs>
1: oh, like, <gosh. laughs> I get that all the time. <laughs> so oh, slow my. season now, right? Oh, I'm like harvest. Gosh.
3: What do you do? And then I get, oh, you don't work weekends anymore. What do you do?
2: Catch up on baseball.
3: Yeah. Well, I just drink wine all day, and <laughs> the
0: wine makes itself. Right? It just yeah. does.
1: Yeah. There's yeah. It is pretty funny. <laughs> that whole, I, I, like career talk. No. I'm trying to be more in the tasting room because I hear it, you know, so much. Like he's ne- never, he's never, I never see you anymore. It's like, well, man, I was there for like seven straight years, like right. <laughs> every day. You also you just, had a child. You just had a Come baby on, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> relax, just had a kid. Bit. I got a million excuses. They're all legit. Um, yeah. It, it is a lot of hard work. I know you work uh, all around the clock to, to make uh, McGrail Vineyards the success that it is. Um, what do we uh, – we, we never really address hey, – what are we drinking
2: here? Well, we so, – I mean, yeah, go ahead. We started with the Blanc.
3: Yeah, so we're doing Peyton Page Sauvignon Blanc, our 2018 vintage. So Soft Blanc came – started with us with Mark. He – I told you guys real quick how my mom was a big Chardonnay fan. So we did – we had a cab. We added a Chardonnay. But then when Mark joined us, he's like, we have to make Sauvignon Blanc. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't like Sauvignon Blanc, Mark. Um, anything that's described with cat's pee, like, I'm not interested. <laughs> and he's like, you just need to open your eyes, little girl. And so... <laughs> he probably actually said that. No, legitimately, <laughs> those were his words. <laughs> um, and so he brought in six or seven different Sauvignon Blancs for me. and like, oh, this is amazing. Okay, I, I can mm-hmm. jump on the bandwagon of Sauvignon Blanc. So... This is Gilmetti fruit. All right. um, it's definitely the tropical fruit, fruit notes. I always fight Mark, and we've kind of got to a good middle point where he does about 10% in barrel, barrel fermented. So. Um, I like the roundness. I know I'm probably the outlier in this for Sauvignon no. Blanc. But, no. um, maybe I mean, no. That little bit of roundness to it where it can trick you. You can even convince a Chardonnay lover to drink this and, and be okay. Yeah. But it's crisp enough that... If you don't like Chardonnay, you're gonna enjoy this one a whole lot more. Um, so it's great Sauvignon. I love the tropical fruit notes and refreshing. It's our clean and crisp summer wine.
1: It is delicious. We talk about
2: red a bunch, um, and I think that's what leads yeah. the market. But do you have a particular I mean a Sab Blanc your
1: favorite livermore white varietal that we're doing?
3: It is. Um,
1: So you're a full conversion Sauve Blanc, Livermore Valley is the thing.
3: (laughs) I am. Yes. Mark totally worked his magic on me. Gotcha. Um, I still will definitely drink lots of white wines and Mm -hmm. Chardonnays with my mom. Mm -hmm. But I think Livermore Valley for white wines is Sauve Blanc. Something really exciting we're doing. We just planted two rows, so very small. Um, Grenache Blanc. Oh, So Mark nice. thinks right. we're the only Livermore Valley grower of Grenache Blanc. I think I that's wrong? true
1: because I was yeah. looking for some few years ago and there's none out here. Nothing, so, right? So now you think that's going to be a blending piece or you're going to get enough of that to put a few few in bottle? A little wine club hitter, you know? I don't know yet. All right.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the plan is to see how it grows, yeah. obviously, number one. It's a complete trial wine. Mm-hmm. We're going to, we will ferment it keep it separate we're not going to blend it off right away um the plan is to see if we can bottle it by itself Mm -hmm. but we got to get to that that bottling day got some time Um, and that's the my favorite part of a small family business Mm -hmm. is we can do that we can try no one is telling me oh no that costs money to do it you can't try that Mm -hmm. um i mean the rosé that we made the first year we wanted to make rosé so we did a seignee method with our Cab, well we bled off the cab right mm-hmm. so we were dumping down the extra juice down a drain it was like okay well we just want to make cab cab is all that matters mm-hmm. and rosé is kind of making a comeback probably in 2009 or 10 i would say that's, that's 11. maybe right. i'm we'll a little see. early on it
1: maybe 10, all 10, all day. Yeah, 10, and 10, 10 and i day.
3: go to my dad i want to make rosé and he's like absolutely not we are not <laughs> making pink wine here like we are a cab house i don't know what you're thinking heather no way okay dad so like a week later, so dad, I want to make rosé. <laughs> He's like, oh no, here it goes. So by the next vintage, I got him to agree that I could make it to the point of bottling. Mm. Before I ordered any bottling supplies, um, he would taste it and if he approved it we could bottle it and make it but if he didn't i was never allowed to bring rosé up ever 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 again <laughs> <Some> <laughs> so the best part is crazy he... <laughs> ultimatums up I there know, that's right? how business is done <laughs> always over a glass of wine yeah uh, so he's like he tasted it at the very end and says You always win. Fine. (laughs) Go ahead and bottle that crap. (laughs) Okay. So we get it bottled. And within like a month, he's sitting out on the patio. And he's like, bring me that pink shit. Uh, (laughs) So we would call it his lunchtime cab. It was not rosé in our house. And it's shifted since then. Now we make it. Um, with Malbec Merlot a touch of Cab, mm. we actually grow the Malbec and Merlot for the Rosé and then do the Saignée with the Cab and blend them together. Mm. Uh, but yeah. it's always going just back to the trial thing. Like yeah. let's try it. That if it doesn't work, rose. what's the worst that can happen? Rosé oh. is a
2: fun category because there just seems to be you can break the rules however you want as really as long as it's pink. And some are better right. than others, and some. But like it's Rosés are just a fun category to it to mess fun. around in.
1: We've uh, we've done some Saignée. We've done some whole cluster press stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were doing rosé for distribution, that was like all Sonia with a little whole cluster press Merlot. Just did like cost of goods, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, we were, we did uh, Julio stuff. He planted some Carmenere and then Merlot oh, and Cab Franc. So we actually pressed those whole clusters. Actually, the Cab Franc didn't get in this year, just Carmenere and Merlot. Um, but it should be fun. What is this? I hear a glass being poured. Yeah, what go, do we right? got here? Oh, yeah. Just kind of moving moving down, move, moving down the line. I guess we're just going to drink... At ten fifty seven morning, we got a few minutes. I know you got to get on the road about ten after I still morning. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yes I do sorry all good, no we're doing good um Jason, what do you got? you got any, oh, anything man. on your mind? This is the stuff right here I was shooting one, well he's see. pouring
2: That's I mean why don't, I mean just to lighten it up a little bit um, while Jamon's pouring i mean what do you, I mean what do you enjoy? I mean, we talk about working in the Livermore Valley, but how about living in the Livermore Valley? What are a few things you enjoy doing on the you know the rare day off that you actually get?
3: Um, I, well, I have three kids, so I don't really get a day off ever, (laughs) um, but I love being outside. I was really laughing, listening to your podcast. I'm like, is it a wine thing that you like hiking and yoga and being outdoors? But I mean, that's what I love. Yesterday, I actually took the kids to Sycamore Grove and we did this like gratitude scavenger hunt. It was so cute. You had to find something that made you happy. You find something that you uh, like.
1: Did you just make that up?
3: I found it on Pinterest. Pinterest? But my kids <laughs> think I made it
1: up. <laughs> well done, mommy of the Year.
2: Um, yeah, I'm
3: like thank God for Pinterest. But I, do, I love being outside. I love being mm. on the Delta. I'm going there this weekend. So boats, outside, water, I mean, the actually, and then when I when I do get a night away, I love all the great restaurants. I'm so excited that the Livermore Valley has stepped it up in the restaurant field, and I hope it continues. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, some of my favorites I've heard over and over: Range Life is amazing, Sabios is amazing, um, Rusty's Steakhouse is awesome, Hop Divines good for lunch even with the kids, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and I still love the the tried and true. I mean, Zephyrs and Uncle Yu's and yeah. Campo de Bocci. There, there's so many great restaurants we're so lucky to have at our fingertips
1: yeah it is pretty cool i cool. went to campo last night for the first time i went to the bocce oh, yeah. i haven't been in Wednesday forever bocce. it's bocce season mm-hmm. it's bocce season um I we just had the kid and we've had like every game was at 8 30 and like I, it's tough to get out there in general usually mm-hmm. um but it was so nice it was like the it didn't get too cool last night it's beautiful outside i agree like just the outdoors here it's, that it's is the wonderful. one thing we have. is one It's one of the most beautiful places in the yeah. world for sure. You go
2: five minutes this way, you're downtown. You go ten minutes that way, you're you know lost in the, you country. know in the country. You're at Jeremy's house, <laughs> or at your you know Jeremy's <laughs> yeah, house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As I'm just attempting to mow my lawn. Just, just, yeah, never mind. That's another story. Sorry.
0: I got a question for you. Can I can I loop it back to McGrail for a second here? Yes. I got, I mean just smelling this wine and and enjoying this wine. Uh, you guys showcase your your usage of oak, mm-hmm. and yes. you guys. Have a classes. I, I don't know if they're classes or or just like seminars, and I, I miss it every time. Um, I think every time I'm in the tasted room, so maybe Colin just need like one day off to go to this yeah, thing. take it off. But, uh, <laughs> just, but every I'm time, just need point. thirty. days yeah. thirty days heads up. But uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and every time I see it, I get so jealous because I think it's often overlooked. Um, but you guys take it to a whole nother level. Um, so can you just kind of expand on that? Cause I think yeah. that's really special about you guys too.
3: I'm so glad you brought it up because this goes back to when we opened with one wine, you open a tasting room, you have a bar that is, you know, the size of a <laughs> basketball court and you're like, hi, there's no that. tasting <laughs> fee. I have one wine. Try it, try it through narrator, try it with a piece of chocolate, turn around, try it again. <laughs> um, and so it's like, how, here's some
1: ranch to get started. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm like, am I allowed to pour
3: other people's wine here? Yeah. Um, so it was really hard and i was literally brainstorming going what else can i do with wine mm-hmm. and being such a novice i said i think it's so cool when we taste through our at the time our 30 barrels we have every single barrel tastes different yeah. and so absolutely yeah it, it was just fascinating to me and so it started with like okay well if i think it's cool and i don't consider myself a wine especially at this point but i still have a lot to learn not a wine professional at this point You know, what other people will like this too. So, we did a barrel tasting weekend, and my mom poured at one of the barrels, French oak. I poured at one, I think the Hungarian oak, and my sister poured at the American oak. And so, we're three barrels across the back of our room, and we're all, you know, sampling the barrels and talking about what we love about those barrels. At the end, we come into the office together, and like it was just one of those moments that everyone couldn't say it fast enough, and it all came out at the same time. Everyone likes my barrel. (laughs) And and so from there came the idea, well, why don't we label, why don't we bottle and label um, barrel origin specific? Mm -hmm. So we have a wine called our James Vincent, which is 100% new French oak. And then we have 100% new Hungarian oak, which is Yo Elet, which is Hungarian for the good life. And then we have the American oak, which is the Patriot. And so each of those also have their own stories, Mm -hmm. but the, the idea behind them is they're all 100% new oak from those specific regions. And it it started at Barrel Tasting Weekend. And so once you have those wines, it's kind of natural to have a class about them. So we do kind of every quarter, every six months, we do a class where we talk about the difference of the oak species. I mean, American oak versus Old World oak, night and day, they're two different species of wood. Um, the You can hand sew the European ones, and you have to, um, or you have to do that, and then you can use a machine to cut the American oak. So there's so many different factors that come into what the oak offers. I mean, just a really quick, like American oak for me, with our cab, I get a bunch of vanilla right off the top. Um, And you kind of get this caramely. it's big, it's in your face right away, the oak, smoky toasty. Then our French oak, it's a little bit, um, it's a little more subtle, but it lingers longer and it lasts longer. And then you get this kind of coconutty note to it. And then with our Hungarian oak, which is my secret favorite, because nobody talks about Hungarian.
0: You're <laughs> just gonna do music. Uh, on, the, off. On, the,
1: on the at the end. You, sometimes we do it here. I'm, I'm, I don't have the music ready. I'll just do it. Okay. okay.
0: Who yeah, came no. up
3: with the the wine wrap? We all,
0: was,
1: we all. Yeah. I love it. Collaborative <laughs> effort. That was
2: around the time that we found out that Jmon was like a music music guru. Yeah, I know. Oh, we so, I we like, right. your <laughs> special talent. <laughs> <laughs> huh? I just have Secretly, to.
1: Secretly, you know, Jason's Suge Knight. So. Actually, he's a he's a hard hitting producer. Hold up.
0: Everybody's asking for it. Yeah. It's time for the world premiere of the TGG rap. Let's do this. G Choo,
1: Ralphie. J-Mon Green, we
0: out here. J-mon Green, about to get a little gritty, got bars and guitars and the King of Fred City. G Choop and Ralphie, fucking shit up.
2: Wine from the plateau, spitting knowledge for the LVWC. Day troop, Daymond, and Ooh. the boy Ralphie. Ooh, and we here to stay. Wine growing region in the heart of the buck. SK, NC, he's growing wine since 1883. Understand that you're messing with legends. To the grapevine kids, I approve of this message. T Fish, I'ma need another session. Turn the speakers up, cause I ain't done with this lesson.
1: What a do, JTM. JTM brought the heat, now pass it to me Livermore Valley soldier best known as Ralphie. My family open NC in 2K9 We only have a mission making perfect wine Understand the game, we build a dynasty So we collaborate with other wineries It really doesn't matter as long as we all rise So I line myself to smart ladies and guys Greg Roof and the Wolf, my cellar squad Catch him working at Punchdown Rock I'm a Ryan Jay Green Dave Doy keeps the books Looking squeaky clean Ten years we got a story to tell I got Nottingham Cellars On the verge of swell Cut the Bloods Valley up And then rise from the wreckage On the real winemakers Will approve of this message, message Flagship
2: wine, supremacy, I drink it all the time Waited it patiently, it's our time to shine Jay mondo, go, hit him with this on
0: go. your mind I grab the cage and twist the shit off Six turns to the left and I pop it off Straight out the
1: bottom with a tent to couvée. We Grigio Casale, deliver Livermore way. Hit the well and SK when you're out and about Put the block at East End, there's a must on your own And see anybody if you can't feel hung, they've been in the woods Altamont, never hazing, just are and good
2: Came to the valley with hopes and big dreams Long night hard work, man, these are my the keys If you ain't listening by now, please tell me why get to G, go sub on Apple and Spotify seriously.
0: Go sub. Please? I don't think they did yet. Have you subscribed yet? Push the button.
2: It's fine, I'll wait. Jmon, cut the music.
0: Go sub, seriously. Or else. Hold up, wait, what? Thank you so much for Heather McGrail for coming on the show today. What a great interview. Thanks for being fun. Thanks for being part of this world premiere of the TGG Rap. You can find her at McGrail underscore Vineyards on Instagram. That's McGrail underscore Vineyards. And always follow us on TGG underscore podcast. And we will see you the next time around.